We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fight for it. Mancaro comes out of the pack. Final second. Steven Chenzo launches a three. That won't go. And the Knicks fall short here at home. They start this four-game homestand with a disappointing loss to the Magic. Excruciating defeat. They're up seven with six and a half to go. But the Magic defense did a fantastic job in the fourth quarter, Clyde. Cole Anthony returned home on an auspicious return. Started to bounce and announce, created havoc. And the Magic prevailed. And for the first time... Well, that shit sucked. Welcome to what should have been a special edition of the Knicks Film School postgame show on a Martin Luther King Jr. Day. For those who don't know me, I'm XJ. I'm here with my guy, Mensa Smith, a.k.a. Mensa the Goat, as I call him. We are here ready to break down what was a, a competitive and concerning game versus the Orlando Magic. Um, Mensa, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how you would describe it. But uh, I, I just want to say yeah, it's fitting that you and I are doing this post game since, you know, you've closely been observing the magic situation. I live in Jacksonville, a couple of hours north of Orlando. And, you know, there was a glaring hole in the Knicks roster in this game that was pretty well exposed with Jalen Brunson being out. Uh, and, and you and I might be the two guys that are able to talk to that a little bit, uh, uh, maybe the best uh, of anyone out there. So. Yeah, let's dive right in. I mean, Mensa, what was your instant reaction to the game? Instant reaction to the game. Um, this team is incomplete, even though you're seeing some of the good in terms of the Deuce McBride minutes that we're getting. We're seeing some really good minutes from Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, Dante DiVincenzo continues to be great. And despite their efforts, um, maybe Hartenstein not so much today because of the foul trouble, but despite their efforts, there just isn't the um, floor-raising talent when a guy like Jalen Brunson doesn't play. And newsflash to anybody, Jalen Brunson is not going to play 80, 81 games this season. So we have a problem, Houston. We need for this team and give credit to the Orlando Magic. They fought back. They fought really hard. They played really well. Um, and they were down Franz Wagner. So they're down Franz. We're down Jalen. The It was kind of an even match in terms of, I mean, we were, we're also down um, Mitchell Robinson, but he's been down for a while. It's not that we should be running like that's not an excuse anymore at this point. So, and the Knicks have learned to have um, have learned to live life without Mitchell Robinson. So, for the New York Knicks today to come out and play a good game in that third quarter, I think after we got off to well, Julius got off to a rocky start and kind of remained rocky. But in the instances of where we're playing a team that we should be evenly matched with. We did not have the rising tide today in Jalen Brunson. And what it comes down to is if you want to be known as a star in this league, if you want to be a guy that your team can rely upon when the other guy, Jalen Brunson is out, Julius Randle cannot afford games like this. And this is the second one in a row for him now where he just has not been what we needed from him. And this one he actually turned in was worse than the game against Memphis. To be expected because Memphis was a G League team, basically, and the Orlando Magic are a playoff team. So we should have expected Julius to play worse today if we were comparing the two, but not by his standard. This was a game for Julius Randle to come out and really just be dominant 
And we didn't get that from him. Instead, we got good performances from DiVincenzo. We got a good performance from OG Ananobi. We got good performance from Isaiah Hartenstein while he was in the game. And Julius Randle just kind of let us down today. And that's not... That is concerning today. It is concerning tomorrow. It is concerning next month. It is concerning in the playoffs. It is concerning going forward if this is who Julius Randle is going to be without another quote-unquote guy. So I, that's kind of how I feel about the game today. Um, Josh Hart was not good, and he's at a place where I'm concerned at this point because he's just not... Okay, the reason why I'm concerned with Josh Hart is because if you're going to be our primary backup shooting guard, the starting shooting guard is one of the best catch-and-shoot players in the entire NBA right now. So if you're coming in for him and you can't shoot the way he shoots, everything else that you do and everything else that you give to the team has to be on that level that makes up for the lack of elite shooting. And he hasn't been there. The rebounding is good. Okay, no problem. The defense has not really been where it was last season. The scoring, I mean, the scoring, he's not a scorer at all, but he's been worse this year than he was last year. It's just, he's been really, really bad. I watched one possession when he took like a turnaround um, mid-range jumper, missed everything. And then he came he down. Yeah, a few of those kind of possessions where it's just yeah. like, whoa, what was that, dude? <laughs> he had a possession where he comes, where he comes down, and Julius kicks the ball out to him. He passes up the three because Josh Hart passes up threes. And then instead of laying the ball up, it would look like a rock fight. Like he threw a rock at the basket. He's just not in a place where he needs to be for this team to be relying on him the way they're relying on him. Because when we look down at the end of the season, he's probably going to have played more minutes than Quentin Grimes and Dante DiVincenzo. And they've been playing better basketball than him. I do want to, um, we'll talk, I guess, about other players later down. I'll let you get in here. But I mean, it's just, it's been, this team today was let down by two guys, I think. I think we were let down by Julius Randle and Josh Hart for the most for the most part. But I'll let you jump in. Yeah, no, I, there was a lot there. And I think, I mean, you covered a ton of things that we're going to kind of go, go in more detail about. I think overall, kind of my overarching view was like the Knicks and the Magic look very similar. <laughs> uh, when we have, we see Paolo Bencaro kind of as the offensive focal point that the Magic run everyone through when Franz is not there. We see Julius Randle on the other end as the offensive focal point that the Knicks run everything through when uh, Jalen Brunson is not there and essentially an assortment of good to great defenders around them and guys who can shoot threes, guys who can kind of excel in their role depending on the night. But the Knicks were at home and I think the Knicks secondary players on average are probably better than the Magic players. And so I just feel like this was a game I expected the Knicks to win. They were favorited by, I think, five points. I probably would have put it at seven, seven and a half. Like I think the Knicks were, should have been a much better team given that they were at home. Um, and I just feel like they didn't, they just didn't play that way. And I felt like it throughout the whole game, even when the magic were, were down by, you know, 10 and Knicks were up by like 10 or 12, whatever it was that the lead got to, it just, it didn't feel like the Knicks were really playing a much better style of basketball than the magic. It felt like the magic were missing open threes <laughs> and you know, a, a guy that you have a lot of affinity for Jalen Suggs, he missed a ton of open threes. And I feel like if he hits a couple of those, the, the game doesn't even feel as close as it was. You mentioned Julius Randall. Um, I agree with you. I think Julius Randle didn't play up to par for sure. Uh, I, I think one of those reasons is that we're seeing some of the lack of shooting or the, the shooting struggles kind of catch up to him. Um, you know, we, we, he wasn't getting switches early on in the game because they just didn't respect his shot and they were just going under screens and it was like, okay, you're going to have Paolo Bancaro guarding you, which is not a matchup. That's like easy for Randall to expose. Not one of his more easy matchups in the league. And then we're going to see Jonathan Isaac guarding him, which I would say is like, <laughs> I don't know. I like, I think Jonathan Isaac wins that matchup. Like Isaac might be the, the best wasted talent in the league, honestly. Like, and, and, and we can talk about him later on, but either way you got Paolo and Isaac guarding Randall and, and that's not a good matchup for the Knicks that you want to really funnel things through. You're going to want switches and he wasn't getting switches because his three is not dropping and hasn't been dropping all season. He hit a couple and then we started to see some of the switches. Then he had Bataze on him. Then he had uh, he had Joe Ingles on him a couple times. Then he had Fault switched on to him. And then he was really able to create an advantage, draw help, make good plays. But without those switches, this is not a good matchup for Julius Randle in terms of the fours that they have defensively. Missed two killer free throws at the end, which 
hurt so badly, but given that he's been shooting so well from the free throw line this season and, you know, at least needed one of those, but missing two really put the Knicks behind the eight ball. And yeah, I think, I think overall it was not a good game for Randall. Um, obviously as, as anyone would, would, would say, but I also think there's reasons for it that have to do with the Orlando magic, having good matchups for Randall and his shot, not falling consistently enough that teams are really respecting his three point shot. So to me that those were the two reasons why Randall struggled. And we're going to need to see that consistency when Jalen Brunson is not playing. I don't know if you want to touch on the, the yeah, I think the, that's the really Randall well of it all. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, I think that was really well said. Uh, Again, just jumping in about Julius Randle, it's I understand Paolo Bancaro. I understand Mosley in that magic defense. They're really good. But Taz Day, I think, I'm not sure if still is, but at one point he was, um, I think he was like top 10 in defensive EPM. So they have, and then you have Jalen Suggs who was leading the league in defensive EPM at one point. So this is a team that knows how to defend for sure. But I don't want to hear that today. Because you are Julius Randle. You are the guy who's supposed to lead this team. You are the guy that this team decided that they were going to hitch their wagon to by sending out a guy like R.J. Barrett, who was struggling, and at the and the trade was not wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. But everybody knew that R.J. and Randle could not coexist, so they went with the better player over the younger player. Now that guy's gone. Now you don't have, and they sent out two shot creators in order to bring in a guy that makes you better at basketball. You need to be better at basketball. It's not It's not okay that you struggle in Memphis, right? And, and I have to touch on this. And instead of going back to New York with your team, you fly to Dallas and you make a public appearance at the Cowboys game last night. And then you come out and you play like this. You know, like, listen, I'm not saying you can't have a life. I'm not saying that everybody's not allowed to be human. But if you're going to make public appearances and then come out and shoot tour dates, I think what um, I'm not sure if you if you noticed, but Julius Randall apparently has a he has a tour um, uh, a viewing on May 18th because he shot five for 18 tonight. It's just not it's not <laughs> what you want. It This is it's terrible. I'm not happy with the way he's playing right now. And these were the two games here that meant the most for the New York Knicks in terms of what Julius Randle was supposed to do because we were down Jalen Brunson. If Brunson is not playing, then it's not on OG Ananobi to step up. It's not on Dante DiVincenzo to step up. It's not on Isaiah Hartenstein to step up. It's on Julius Randle to step up. He's the one who's supposed to soak up that usage and not even just soak up the usage, but be good with the usage that you are getting. Right. We're running the offense through you. You need to know that, okay, these guys are going to double me. These guys are going to play me harder because Jalen Brunson's not on the court. I need to come with my A game. And I feel like the past two games for Julius Randle, he hasn't given us that. And that is concerning because at a certain point, like as, as some like in the workplace, right? If I know one or two of my colleagues are calling out, it doesn't matter if I'm sick, right? Because I'm the leader. I need to step up. Same thing with Julius Randle here, right? Like, you know that Jalen Brunson's on PTO, right? Things are going to be a little more difficult for you. You have to step up and you have to bring your A game no matter what. And that is some of the, the unreasonable standards that come with being a star player in this league, but everybody is held to that standard, right? Like Tyrese Maxey hasn't been playing as well with, uh, without Embiid and everybody's like, oh, well, look, he's not that great, is he? And, and I understand that's unreasonable because Maxey is a good basketball player. And I'm not even at the point where I'm saying Randall is a bad basketball player. I still believe he's a good basketball player. But these trends are concerning because it feels like unless Julius Randle is insulated with the perfect pieces around him, we get Randle performances like this. And that is a concern. Again, today it's a concern down the line. It's a concern in the playoffs. It's a concern for this team's team building strategy. When you have a guy like Julius Randle, who is supposed to be your number two, and then when number one is out, and that's that's the important thing about the president and the vice president, right? If the president can't lead, the vice president has to lead. So if Julius Randle is going to be in that vice presidential role, then when when Jalen Brunson ain't there, we need Julius to step up. It's been it. Look, these are the first two games that Jalen Brunson has missed. If Jalen Brunson misses extended time, then we will continue to grade Julius Randle in that alpha role. But he's failing right now. And that is concerning for the New York Knicks. Yeah, I think that's all well said. And and this is the elephant in the room. It's the elephant in our lap at this point. Like you, it's unavoidable. We made a trade and lost two of our better secondary tertiary creators. Um, and 
you know, this is what the team is going to look like. And as soon as the trade happened, it's Jalen Brunson is now the most important player on your roster by far. I mean, he probably was always the most important player on the roster, but it was debatable because you have Emmanuel quickly to, to, to jump up and step up and, and fill that role and, and do a pretty good approximation of the impact overall that Jalen Brunson can bring. But you trade Emmanuel quickly, you trade RJ Barrett, and now Jalen Brunson, you, you you can't go anywhere without Jalen Brunson. Like that, that is for sure as soon as the trade happens. And the trade, I believe for sure, makes the Knicks overall better in the long run at max strength, at full strength. The Knicks are a better team, I believe, today than they were before the trade happened. However, on nights like this, when Jalen Brunson's out, <laughs> this is the kind of thing that you can expect. Um, and the guys that you have kind of backfilling for, for for quickly and even RJ, we have DiVincenzo and McBride. Guess what? They both played really well. And because they don't play exactly the same kind of role, it doesn't really affect the outcome. You know, the, the DiVincenzo was great. And I want to say I, I, I felt like he was probably even better than Deuce. Like if I had to, to kind of say who was the best player in the Knicks today, I would say it was, it was DiVincenzo. Like he, it felt like the Knicks were running out and trying out a bunch of initiators. Um, you know, OG had his, his, his time kind of running, picking roles and initiating the offense. McBride did, uh, even Hart did uh, for a few possessions was kind of like running the offense, but DiVincenzo looked the best for sure. And the offense looked the best with him initiating, whether that was, running pick and rolls or, you know, playing a two man game with a forward or playing a two man game with a guard on the empty side. Like DiVincenzo was kind of doing it all. He, he was finishing at the rim, which historically he's been a bad finisher. Um, he was showing a lot in, in terms of his ability to get into the paint and finish. His passing was pretty crisp. Um, you know, he, he would have a couple of crazy plays here and there, but that's what you expect from Dante DiVincenzo. Um, and, and, you know, OG, I felt like was, they tried him out as a creator and he did Okay, I mean they ran several pick and rolls through him, but you know it went okay. But uh, you know they seemed like it was successful, but it didn't look good. Like it looked weird and kind of clunky. Like uh, you know I, I I don't really see OG as being like the guy to step up. And it's like okay, Brunson's out or Randall's out. OG's going to be the guy to step up and we run offense through. Like I I'm not really seeing it. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. Um, and then Deuce McBride, you know played exceptionally well, played exceptionally well, hitting shots. It was a solid initiation game from him, you know, especially playing against starters. I think that's, he, he took a step up, but you know, his comp is really Jalen Suggs, the guy that we saw on the other end of the court. Um, he's really like a small three and D wing who can initiate at times. His shooting has been absurd. And we know that we've known that he's a good shooter from his time in the G league. But, you know, in evaluating him, I'm trying to look past the shooting because he's not going to shoot 50% plus from three for a season. But could he shoot 39%? Like, I think so. The thing, the fact of the matter is, though, that he's not going to really initiate offense for you and be your primary creator where he can get into the paint, create an advantage and kick kickouts to guys who are open or who can attack closeouts. Like, that's not going to be his role. He's, he's, again, like a small three and D wing. And, you know, we have these guys who can fill roles and do a really good job, but not the role that we need them to fill, which is, which is the thing that, you know, Emmanuel quickly was doing and, and to a lesser extent, RJ Barrett was doing. So, um, I don't know. What do you think about those two guys performances specifically before we, before we jump into super chats? So I think, again, I think Deuce and I think Deuce and Dante were excellent. I think they were great. Um, Dante didn't shoot it as well as we are accustomed to him shooting the ball. Uh, Deuce, even though he's shooting 50% for the season right now, he shot four for 10 from three. So I guess we, if, if you just said we should expect him to shoot 39. So it's not too far off from 39. Um, I think they were great. And their, their performances were very encouraging. Even OG Ananobi, he didn't take a lot of shots, took 11 shots, made five of them. You know, that's, that's encouraging stuff because it's to a point where our role players are playing in their role. They're playing well, no matter if Jalen Brunson is there or not. Right. So I think they were great. I think, again, like, I think you're right. I think DiVincenzo did a really good job initiating the ball. And you're seeing why out of him, um, Hart and Brunson, why DiVincenzo got drafted the highest. DiVincenzo was a top 20 pick. And those other two guys, um, I know Brunson was 31st. And I think I want to say uh, Hart was like 27th in 2017. But you're, you see that talent that he has for um, just initiating um, out of the three. I think he may be the most athletic. Um, he's been he's really good. 
Um, I'm really happy with the way he's playing again. Uh, Miles McBride, Deuce McBride, Tress McBride tonight. I think he's just going to be Tress McBride for the next until he until that shooting progresses. Um, he's playing really well. Um, he has officially moved ahead of Quentin Grimes in the pecking order, which is discouraging for one because Grimes is drafted ahead of him. But also, I mean, Grimes isn't playing terribly, so it's more encouraging than it is discouraging. Um, I made a joke on Twitter that it seems like Miles McBride, um, Deuce, I'm sorry, signed one of those contracts that the Braves get all their young players to sign. And then they... That was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Then they just blow up. So I'm happy that we have him for the next three, three years. And he looks like a guy who's a really good bet to outplay the current contract that he's on three years and $13 million extension. Um, really good basketball players. And I don't, again, the role players are not the reason we lost this game. We kept the Orlando magic under a hundred points. So the defense isn't the reason we lost this game too much. Precious was terrible. That's a problem. <laughs> That's a big uh, problem. <laughs> I mean, precious, precious. Yeah. You, you go ahead on precious. It was, it was no bueno. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't really want to say much beyond he was terrible because it's it's to a point where we I don't like to just dump on players for no reason um we know who precious is at this point uh Sean with the W does it always says that look this guy has this is his third team on his rookie contract he's he is who he is you know when I'm not I can't be encouraged or discouraged by precious at this point. It's just like, can we get Jericho back in the lineup? Do we need to make another trade for a big man? But um, I don't think that the role players are the reason we lost this game outside of precious because precious well, it's terrible. And when you lose a game by four points, the margins do matter because you lost this game by one or two possessions. They're about. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I, I I agree, and I am right before we segue to the super chats. I did want to say a couple words on Precious, and not not to dump on him, but I think Precious and Flynn's minutes were really poor minutes for the team as a whole. Um, I think Precious. Uh, his defense has been worse than I expected coming in because, you know, it's seeing him in, in, in spot minutes here and there in Miami and in Toronto. It's like he seems like a really decent defensive player, but some plays it's like, oh, that's awesome. Like he can switch. He can hold his own on a guard or on a smaller wing and, you know, he'll grab an offensive rebound here and there and like, cool, like he can do a couple of things. And honestly, I like the rotation where they have uh, Julius Randle, Precious Achua and OG Ananobi because all three of those guys can pretty much switch anything that has that doesn't include a guard in it. And I think that that's really cool. And I love that for the team. I love that that look for the team. Um, but other plays, it's just like, what, what is, what is he doing? Like, why, why is he so far out of position? <laughs> like where, why? it's just very confusing, um, defensively and then offensively, like he really just doesn't offer you much. He had one moment where he was just kind of stuck at the end of the shot clock and dribbled into a bump, uh, you know, floater that he made and was like, Whoa, what is that? But, you know, besides those, so those plays here and there, it's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't really trust him at all, um, in his minutes and, and yeah. And Flynn, um, Malachi Flynn obviously missed all of his attempts from the field tonight. And I just feel like when he's out there, I just wish that deuce was out there. Like I, I mean, obviously deuce McBride played 36 minutes. He's not going to play 48 minutes. He's, he's going to sit some of the game, but it's just like, he doesn't offer Malachi really hasn't seemed like he'd off. He offers anything that deuce doesn't offer. So I just don't see any advantage there. And, and to be honest, like 
I know we're at a nine man rotation when Brunson's out. It's almost to me, like, do we have to play Flynn at all? Like can Quentin Grimes just absorb those minutes and, and DiVincenzo play more and run more of the offense through him. I mean, uh, I never really was a believer in DiVincenzo being a, a solid enough initiator, but he showed me something tonight and it makes me feel like Malachi is kind of redundant and not needed in terms of his skill set that he brings. So th- those are kind of my assessments from the, the, the two other Raptors that came in that deal. Um, but unless you have any final words on, you know, kind of our instant reactions to the game, any players you want to highlight, we can go ahead and segue into super chats. I don't know if you have anything else you want to, you want to go over Mensa. I think we said everything that's necessary. Um, my last thought is that, yeah, with Malachi Flynn, it's to the point where it's like maybe you just start DiVincenzo and Hart when when Brunson can't play and you just run. I mean, I don't know if Tibbs is this kind of coach, but I think there's enough like passing juice from all five of your guys. If you're running DiVincenzo, Hart, Ananobi, Randall and Hartenstein that you can get away with just not playing Malachi Flynn ever. If Deuce has to play 40 minutes, good thing he has young legs because it's just, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The the Malachi Flint stuff is not what you want. Um, So we are, we will be perpetually living in what this team needs to add until they add something, maybe at the trade deadline, maybe at the, um, in the summertime. But right now, my assessment is more than we, it, it feels like because even with all this going on, we still lost by four points with Julius Randle shooting five for 18. So if he shoots better, maybe we're having a different conversation tonight. If he plays better, we're having a different conversation tonight. So with all the the, the minutiae going on around Julius, it feels it's beginning to feel more like we need a third ball handler, not just because Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are taking on too much of the role, but when Jalen Brunson is an available can we rely on Julius to carry us in the way that you would rely on your nominal second star? You know, like if when Steph and KD, one of them missed, you had the other one, right? And that's a very extreme example. Let's go to, um, let's say, even with like Embiid and Harden, right? And Harden wasn't too great last year, but when one guy was out, you still had another guy that wasn't necessarily at the level of Embiid. You can't be at the level of the MVP, but Harden, you know, plays well. So we need Julius Randle to be 80, 90% of what he is when Brunson is on the court. And and if we can't get that, we're going to be worried about 12 Malachi Flynn minutes, you know, like, and that's look, 12 minutes is 12 minutes, but when Julius is playing 38 and giving you what he gave you tonight, that's a very hard to overcome because you can like, you can just not play. You can just not play Malachi. You can figure out a way to get around that because it's only 12 minutes. But when Julius is playing the way he's playing, it's, it's very discouraging. And I think that, you know, um, I forget what they say. Oh yeah. A fish rots from the head down. And when Julius is the head of the fish, you, you know, the, it, it gets really fishy smelling. So that's, 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 <laughs> so, um, I, I, so I guess that's, that's my last thought on the game. We can get to the super chats. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, that's a great thought and a great encapsulation of what we just saw. Unfortunately, it was a very fishy smelling game, uh, for a large part of it. So, uh, let, let's go ahead and jump into super chats. We got APJP on the, on the ones and twos who can hook us up with a couple of the super chats to start out. Uh, I will start with this one. We got one from busy. What up, Busy? Start Deuce, bench Brunson, cut Flynn. (laughs) Hashtag, I said what I said. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of irony in there, obviously, but... Yeah, I mean, it kind of echoes a little bit of what we were saying, just kind of finishing on with Malachi's minutes not being so good. Um, Deuce being really tremendous tonight. And obviously, you know, Brunson, the the offense is not going to run without Brunson, um, you know, over a 48 minute game. But yeah, great comment. Anything you want to say, say about this one, Mensa? Um, Obviously, Busy is joking about the bench Brunson stuff because we know how important he is. But I do want to say there is something to be said about when DiVincenzo is the fourth best defender and not the third best defender how much better the defense looks if we look really good with um with McBride out there it's just that that's not a justification to not play Jalen Brunson but um yeah I I I tweeted that actually that I would like to see what this team looks like with DiVincenzo as the fourth best defender instead of the third best and we kind of saw that tonight with DiVincenzo having a great game even though he didn't shoot um as well as he's supposed to shoot 
Yeah, for sure. Didn't shoot as well as he, he, he has recently, but I think really a great impact overall offensive and defensive impact game. As you said, um, what do we got next? All right, I'll take this one. Gee Huber then. Thank you for the contribution. If you trade RJ to free up the starting unit and confirm Randall is your guy going forward, these non-Brunson games leave a certain taste in your mouth. Yes, a very, very fishy taste. I think that's what we're going with. <laughs> uh, it wasn't great, man. Um, yeah, Julius has to be better because when he is the guy and we're looking to him, he can't come out and go one for eight in the first quarter. It's just not, it's just not acceptable. And again, like with RJ gone, because for a lot of the time when RJ was here, he was the excuse and rightfully so, because like, um, like GMAC um, pointed out with the stat, he was the worst high usage player um, since Kobe Bryant in his final season. So he was taking a lot of shots and he was missing a lot of shots, was not very efficient. You could always point to RJ's inefficiencies. But now that's OG Ananobi. And OG Ananobi just gave you 17 on 11 shots. So the excuses have run out. And with the way we confirmed and like cling to, well, now that we're lean, leaning more on Julius Randle, um, yeah, these games are not what you want to see from him. Yeah, I think it's to, to, to me and, and you're totally right, man. So to me, the biggest thing is the two of nine from three. And some of the thoughts with the new starting lineup, you know, has been since the OG trade has been like, oh, does the shooting actually matter for Randall? Like, can Randall just shoot 30 percent or below for the season? And it's actually fine because now we have OG who's shooting like nearly 40 percent. We have um, DiVincenzo in the starting lineup who's shooting an absurd like 45 percent or whatever he's shooting from three. Um, and then Hardenstein dishing. We have uh, Brunson, who is uh, one of the best shooters in the entire league. Does it matter if Randall can shoot or not? And when Brunson's in there, maybe it doesn't because when Randall plays with the second unit, he's pretty much surrounded by three and D guys. And when he plays with the starting unit, you know, it's we got enough shooting to survive with the addition of OG and Anobi. However, if Brunson is not there, the shooting is going to be exposed from Julius Randall and they are not going to go over screens. They're going to go under screens and you are not going to get switches very easily. And Randall's going to have to cook a really good defender. And, you know, I don't trust his ability to do that consistently. I think it depends on who the, the defender is for sure. And it depends on the team. This Orlando magic happens to be a bad matchup for Julius Randall. I believe in terms of who those defenders are. Um, and it's, I don't know. It's a little bumming me out that I think, you know, I think Paolo Bancaro, his biggest comp, is Julius Randle to me and he is like 21 years old and is able to guard Julius Randle pretty well. I, that kind of makes me sad, but, um, but yeah, I just think the shooting is going to matter. The shooting is going to matter if Brunson's not out there and that's going to be the difference when you're playing a team that has stout defenders like the Orlando magic. I think against another team you can get by, but not against this defense and this team. So for sure, it, de it definitely leaves a, a fishy taste in your mouth, you know, when you have Randall as your guy and then he performs like this. Yep, totally agree. Thanks, you Hooper. Then appreciate it, man. Danny Gardner, uh, thank you so much for the contribution. Appreciate it, Danny. I love Josh Hart as a piece. Tibbs' over reliance on him has been glaring of late. His focus has been sorely lacking. Uh, I, I agree. I love Josh Hart as a piece. I think I love everything that he brings to the table. Um, he. I, I sort of agree has been over relied on in the past, but I, I think Tibbs is probably letting him work it, work through it, but it's been a while and it's been a lot of up and down from Josh Hart. I know the original book out was, you know, the, the, the extra work over the summer playing in FIBA and all that stuff. He was exhausted, the, the newborns and all these kinds of things. But at this point we're deep into the season, things have to turn around and the up and down performances from Josh Hart are, are kind of just becoming the, the, the norm and the expectation there were some good minutes from Josh Hart. Like, honestly, there were some good minutes where I'm like, oh, he can get all the way to the rim. Look at that. Oh, he's he's able to kind of make something happen when nothing else is going on and 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 kind of bully his way to the rim. And there was just way too many out of control plays where he's just like throwing up a ridiculous shot, doing a double spin and, and fading away and shooting an air ball with the, with the clock running down. Like it's just, and we see that too frequently. And so maybe that's some of your point, Danny, with his focus being lacking. And, and I think we see some shortcomings defensively too. So yeah, I just think, I think we could see a lot better a Josh Hart. It doesn't have to be the heart of last year where he's shooting, uh, you know, unsustainable rate from three um, to me that Josh, Hart is not 
the real Josh Hart. I would not expect him to do that for the rest of his career, but we're seeing kind of like the Portland Josh Hart, the Josh Hart that Portland was like, yeah, we're going to, we're down to get rid of this guy because we're not going to resign him and we want to get something back for him. And he wasn't playing super well or super consistently. And we're kind of seeing that here in New York. And so I'm ready for Josh Hart to kind of get back to being the consistent energy guy where he's getting rebounds. He's attacking the rim. He's shooting it when he's open and just being consistent with that decision making. So I, I, I think it's a great comment. Yeah, I think it's a very solid comment. And I just want to add uh, another piece to it. Um, last year, Josh Hart was so th- we're looking at Josh Hart as a perimeter basketball player. Right. And we are in the year of our Lord 2024. And in this year, you cannot be a perimeter basketball player and not be a good shooter. It's very difficult to do it. Last year, Josh Hart was able to get by. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with Julius Randle's um, career high three point attempts at, I think, 34% for the season. Last year, Julius Randle, I think he shot like an, an, an insane. I want to say 200, but I don't think it's 200. But I, I feel like he shot 200 more threes than Jalen Brunson did last year, which was very alarming for me at the time. Um, but now that Julius isn't shooting as many threes, because one, he's just not converting them at the same rate. And two, he's just, I guess, just decided not to. Now, when you have two guys like that with Julius and Josh, who are turning down threes, you're starting to see it like it's they're both kind of like magnifying each other's flaws there. So it's to a point where the Josh Hart that we added to this team was to a team that we had a Julius Randle that was shooting a ton of threes. So one of like one of them has to figure it out. They can't both be struggling from three with the reliance that we have on them. As uh, Danny Gardner saying here, like we're over reliant on these two players. Maybe that's because of roster construction. Maybe that's because of preference, but they do get a lot of minutes. So if they're going to get a lot of minutes, they both can't be shooting like sub 30 from three, like they have to be converting and it's just not, it's not what you want. I think Josh Hart, I think you said Julius was two for nine and I think Josh Hart was 0 for two. So two for 11 from three from those two guys is not, and especially in a game when you lose by four points, if you're four from 11, this is a win, you know? So it's just, it's, it's not what you want. And I think that this is going to be an issue for as long as those two are teammates, the same way it was an issue with RJ and Julius. Both one of them has to shoot well. If both of them are not shooting well and they cannot coexist. Thanks, Danny. Yeah. Great point. Not going to cut it. Appreciate it, Danny. What else do we got? All right. Mythic Monty. Uh, thanks for the contribution. Once again, begging Leon for another initiator. A hundred percent. This team is not complete. We need another guy, whether that's Malcolm Brogdon or DeJounte Murray or Terry Rozier or Tyus Jones or whoever your favorite initiator du jour is. We need that guy because the Knicks are currently struggling with getting with developing and scoring offense. And it's just it's not what you want, especially on a night when your main initiator is now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the Knicks need the Knicks need another initiator moving forward. I mean, if we get into the playoffs and God forbid Jalen Brunson gets injured, gets banged up, you know, it's it's all over. And, it, and that's true for any team with their best player. But at the same time, you know, I'm saying like if he misses time, like not even if he misses a game, if he misses time within a game, if he misses a game as opposed to like being out for the season for the postseason or something like that, it's all over. Like the Knicks can't survive, I think, in a playoff environment for sure without another creator, another initiator. Um, you know, I was just looking up really quickly. Malcolm Brogdon uh, averages 11, about 11 drives per game and shoots nearly 50% of those drives. Uh, his pass percentage is 43% out of those drives. Um, turnover percentage, very low, 4.6% out of those drives. So to me, Malcolm Brogdon would plug a lot of holes in the second unit. And, you know, in terms of backing up Jalen Brunson, if he had to miss games or miss time, I think, I think if you are like, kind of like us, and I know me and you Mensa are are, are thinking that the Knicks have an outside chance and maybe not even an outside chance, a a solid chance at making the Eastern conference finals, you are going to need a secondary creator who can, who who can come in there and play behind Jalen Brunson or in lieu of Jalen Brunson It is not sufficient. What they have with just Julius Randle and the rest of the guys, despite some of the really great stuff that we've seen from DiVincenzo and, and, and Miles McBride, like we talked about. And the, the, real quick, the, the fact that we're seeing this level of McBride, this level of McBride, it's like the best possible version of McBride that you could possibly expect. This is how we play in the G League. We're, 
and they're still losing games like this when Brunson's not out there, that's a, that's a bad sign because you can't get any more from him. You really can't. So yeah. Uh, begging Leon is, is right. If you, if you want anything to do with, uh, making progress in the playoffs this year. So uh, appreciate it. Mythic Monty. Yeah, really quick. I just wanted to fact check myself. I was wrong. Um, he did not shoot. Julius Randle did not shoot 300 more threes than Jalen Brunson last season. In fact, he shot 314 more threes than Ju- than Jalen Brunson wow. last season. He shot 636 threes last year. This um, and Jalen Brunson shot 322. Um, Jalen Brunson was actually fifth on the team in three point attempts last year. Can you imagine a year? Wow. What a, what a wild time. Um, and this year, um, Jalen Brunson leads the team with 250 attempts through 38 games. Julius Randle through 39 games has attempted 201. So yeah, we need either more threes or more accurate threes from Julius Randle, probably both because that's what, that was the formula that we added Josh Hart to. Yeah. Thanks, and, Jalen Brunson did miss 14 games. Julius Randle only missed five, but still the disparity is, is, is more than you would expect to see over the course of a nine game differential between those two guys. So yeah, it's a great point. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All uh, right. Is this- is this you? I think this is, yeah, I think this is me. Okay. Um, wait, no, I read Mythic Montes. This is you. Yeah. Okay. Deadword604. Appreciate the contribution, my man. Thank you so much. Uh, really uh, means a lot. We appreciate it. Something needs to be done about these long scoreless droughts. And I still don't get how a Tibbs coach team can't hit free throws and rebound when they need to. Also can't close a game without JB. A lot of great points in here. Um, we kind of talked about the scoring droughts and the issues there with creation the 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 hitting free throws and rebounding is this is a good point this is the second game where we're like can we get some rebounds here at the end um and that is that is not what you want to see and the knicks have some pretty good rebounders kind of on the court at all times we have good long rebounders and josh hart and mcbride and the vincenzo who skies for rebounds um hartenstein who's been one of the best rebounders in the entire league while he's been starting um, but they're not able to get some of these crunch time rebounds. And I don't know if that's just variance and just bad luck or there's something going on there. So I think that's a good point. And then, you know, the Nick shot 68% from the free throw line today. Not good. Randall missing two clutch free throws. Not good. Um, yeah, those are things that you don't want to see. And maybe those things are kind of subject to variance and subject to luck a little bit. So, you know, I'm not going to go too crazy about it, but at the same time, if it continues to, and turns into like a trend where like, we're not getting rebounds when we need to, and not making free throws, that is a big major concern. And you really can only go so far if you're not doing those things, those very fundamental things that are critical towards winning. And early in the season, when the Knicks had one of the best defenses in the NBA, a lot of that was due to the defensive rebounding. They were rebounding the ball extremely well, and they weren't stopping teams from shooting a really high percentage. But when they took a shot and they missed it, the Knicks were securing those rebounds. And we know as Knicks fans, as as Mitchell Robinson fans, how important it is to secure that rebound after the end of a offensive possession from your opponent. So those are those are really good points. And and those are things that the Knicks are going to have to sure up if they're going to win these games coming down in the clutch. Yeah, very well said. I'll just say what are the four factors to offense or defense? You got free throw shooting, you got effective field goal percentage, you got turnovers and you got rebounds. So if you're struggling with two of those four factors, 
you're not going to have a good time. Um, and we won't even talk about the effective field goal percentage when you got guys who can't hit threes. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. This team needs Jalen Brunson back. Um, not sure the free throws are on Tibbs um, or the rebounding. Those are kind of just like free throws are kind of just like a focus thing. A rebounding is like a one, two thing. But um, yeah, they are struggles for this next team right now when they need to do better. Thanks, Dad Edwards. Yeah, I appreciate the comment, Dad Edwards. All right, Joseph Brennan, thank you for the contribution. If the final version of this team has a shooting guard playing 15 to 20 minutes, it should be Deuce. Can guard opposing PGs and has proven to be a more versatile offensive player than Grimes and on a great contract. Um, I think that's a great point. I think what um I think the, the version of Deuce McBride that we're seeing is the version that we is the version of Quentin Grimes we hope to see. Because he's still really a three and D player. He's not giving you initiation, but he is giving you some off the dribble juice, right? Um Quentin Grimes went to Kansas as a point guard, settled in as more of a combo guard at uh, the University of Houston. Um, I think Deuce McBride was a combo guard, really a point guard at the University of West Virginia. So we're seeing like their developmental arcs has been um has been interesting, especially since the like Deuce McBride got to develop out of the limelight, whereas Quentin Grimes was, we need you to replace Evan Fournier and we need you to replace Evan Fournier right now. So it's been a little, it's been interesting watching them develop. But I think that Deuce has, um, I think, I mean, it, it, look, it's been like two weeks. Deuce McBride's been great, but it's, he's been great for two weeks, right? Quentin Grimes does have a longer track record of, um, sustainable play even though he's been struggling this year but I do think that when it comes to the shooting guard rotation you do have 48 minutes of it so if you're splitting it if Josh Hart just has to get eight and you're going 2020 um it's it's an interesting conversation do you give do you give um 24 to DiVincenzo another what 12 to Quentin Grimes four minutes at the shooting guard position to Deuce McBride and then Deuce gets the rest of his minutes back in on Brunson. Like the Knicks have, have a lot of good guards. And we thought that with trading Emmanuel quickly, that the guard glut would no longer be a question. And then Deuce said, actually, I'm really good at basketball too. So it's an interesting conversation to have for sure. Um, but I do think the more versatile than Quentin Grimes, I think what you're seeing there is he's just better off the bounce at the moment than Quentin Grimes is. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's well said, Mensa. And, and Joseph, I think this is a great question. I think this is a conversation that's going to happen a lot moving forward through the rest of the season, kind of the Deuce versus Grimes conversation. My sense is really that in terms of the decisions that the team is going to make, I mean, the truth is that McBride is like 6'1", 6'2", and Quentin Grimes is like 6'4", 6'5". And we know this team really values size and they value being able to guard up. I think McBride can do it almost as well, maybe just as well as Quentin Grimes, but I don't think the team's going to rely on that. I think the team's going to think, you know, uh, Deuce is just a little too small to play the two against uh, some of the teams that play bigger twos. At the same time, I do think, I mean, you said it meant it's been like two weeks of McBride let's see where things shake out. Let's see where things shake out. If he continues to play like this throughout the season, I don't think, I don't see how you don't kind of lean on him a lot more than Quentin Grimes. I think you just have to, if he plays like this, if he shoots like this, if he plays defense like this, if he's consistent the way that he's been um, right now, his, his true shooting is like 64% right now, which is uh, just absurd. His three point shootings, 48% right now. Absurd. Like I, those things are going to come down to earth a little bit. Like that's, the truth. They are, those things are going to come down to earth. I will absolutely bet any amount of money that they're, he's not going to shoot those numbers for the rest of the season. At the same time, you know, we've seen a lot of Quentin Grimes and we've seen him have a rough start. We've seen him kind of pick it up a little bit, but not really hit the heights that he's hit last season um, in a bigger role, both on offense and defense, but his defense has been really good. Um, I forget in, in our KFS chat, someone shared, was it you Mensa that shared that uh, uh, the matchup difficulty for Quentin Grimes was still very high in the NBA, like top five in the NBA. Was that, was that something that you shared? Yeah. B-ball index. They posted that he is his, um, I think, yeah, yeah, matchup difficulty for guards was yeah. either in the top five or top ten. And I'm like, but he's playing like two minutes a game. How is this possible? <laughs> but That's hey, what I was thinking too, yeah. The stats are the stats, right? That's why we rely on stats even when our eyes can't show us that. 
Yeah, yeah. So so with with that matchup difficulty, he still is like a top 84th percentile in defensive EPM in the NBA. So the you know the 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 results are the results and and he's still playing really good defense and I think the Knicks are going to value that and his ability to play wings a little more. Um but if McBride shoots like this, I think it it is what it is. You can't sit this guy if he's shooting 50% from 3. So um I think it's a great comment, Joseph. Thanks. What do we got next? Mythic Monty, another one. Appreciate it, Mythic Monty. Uh, also need more from Hart. Terrible minutes tonight. Yeah, we talked a little bit about Josh Hart. A um, lot of out-of-control plays, a lot of sketchy plays, a lot of bad decisions, some solid minutes here and there, but just not consistently enough. So 100% agree. We're going to need a lot more from Josh Hart on a consistent basis. And honestly, if and when we do get that, it'll almost be like making a trade because, you know, last year the big trade was getting Josh Hart and that inspired the whole team and, and, and turned this team into an entirely different team when he played well. So we know the heights that we can reach if Josh Hart plays like he did last year. And even without the shooting level that he was last year, I think he can, he can really elevate this team if he kind of kicks it back in gear. Yeah. Um, very well said. I'll just add, yes, Josh Hart has been ass and we need more than what Josh Hart has been because it's not what you want. Um, and for his sake, um, I understand he's CAA. I understand he's Villanova. And that's kind of like the click in New York. But he has a very tradable contract. And if you're not going to shoot well, and if Julius isn't going to shoot, and the Knicks have proven that they will choose Julius Randle over a worse basketball player. And unless Josh Hart decides in the next four or five months that he's going to be a better basketball player than Julius Randle going forward, um, yeah, he has to play better because he won't last in New York. Thanks, Mythic. Yeah, well said. I mean, I, I, the real quick, does he have a tradable contract right now? I'm not sure. Like, I'm not, obviously, I don't think the Knicks are going to plan on trading him, but if they did, I don't know. I don't know how he's playing right now. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Very fair point. <laughs> but um, I guess they would. I mean, Josh Hart's found homes. You know, he got drafted by the Lakers then got traded to the Horn, uh, not the Hornets, the Pelicans, then got traded to the Portland Trailblazers, and then we traded for him. So he's he teams seem to like Josh Hart, especially when it's a situation where like Steve Kerr starting him in FIBA World Cup games over like NBA All-Stars. Yeah. So, yeah. so Josh Hart is liked around the league. So I could see him. I could see it. It's like it'll it'll hurt because he again he's CA in Villanova and that's kind of like the mafia around these parts. But if you're not going to play well, they're not going to put their job ahead of you know your allegiances. Yep, fair point. To be clear, I I don't think either of us think they're there yet or anything or even approaching there. But you know that's just just a, something to have in the back of your mind. Um, appreciate it, Mythic Monty. 